0: Hello there, everyone! Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest who's actually in the same country as me, but in a different city. I'm here in the capital, of Colombia, and he is actually in Medellin, which is the second visit biggest digital nomad hub. And I'll, uh, you know, I'll, we'll be heading over there. Right now, we have just met virtually, but we'll be meeting in person. And uh, on this episode, we're going to be interviewing Liz about her own travel journey, about her work as a digital nomad, and any tips for new digital nomads. So Liz, uh, to start off with, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, for the sake of the listeners and viewers today?
1: Well, um, my name is Liz Valentine. Um, I'm originally from uh, Virginia, from the DC area, but um, I'm coming. I became a digital nomad when I was living in Tampa, Florida, where I lived for about seven years before I decided to take my journey. So, um, so yeah. So I basically got into uh, what people are calling digital nomading. I didn't even know it had a name when it started. To be honest with you, you know, I kind of started feeling um, like. I wanted to return to uh, what was really like most important to me, and I and I realized that you know there were a few times when I felt really really great and happy about um, you know about my life, and my work, and that was when I was traveling. So um, you know we you know we had the same kind of you know like the, the usual setup, the nine to five. Um, we you know we got our three weeks vacation and. You know, every time I would get a day off, I would basically be traveling somewhere. So I started pretty simply with the states, you know. So I basically, you know, would go on solo trips to whatever city that I picked out on the map, you know. Oh, I have never been to the Pacific Northwest. I think I'll go spend some time in Vancouver, Seattle, Portland. Uh, You know, maybe my cousin has a. As an event in Columbus, Ohio, I've never been. I can't say good or bad things about it, but I'll give it a shot. You know, um, you know, it wasn't like anything. It wasn't anything glamorous. It was more curious than anything. Um, so I started kind of wandering in my free time and my days off, and I decided that you know maybe I could take the show on the road. So I decided, you know, how can I? Make money and continue to travel and spend more time traveling. So, um, so what I did was, um, you know, I I spent my career as a, a graphic designer, and I grew up um, and I grew up kind of into the UX and digital world. So, you know, kind of went from print to online. So that obviously, like, was a very easy transition. Trying to get from uh, from you know trying to be location independent. So, uh, once I started working digitally, I started to pick up freelance clients on the side, and I was like, "Okay, you know, um, maybe this could maybe this could be sustainable." So you know, I would say that was about six months before I left that I really focused on gaining my clientele that way. And then um, about six about uh, you know six months after that, You know, I started making a checklist, you know, and and this is something I think would be important for people to know is, you know, we always have these kind of expectations as to, you know, like it's going to be too hard or it's going to be too difficult to be able to travel and work and kind of give up your life. And, you know, I sat down and and I thought, you know, I'm committed to this and, you know, how can I make this happen? So I literally made a list made a list of everything that I had to take care of before I left the country, and this includes things like, I mean, big decisions like selling your car, you know, giving up your apartment, um, you know, like selling off your furniture and things like that. You know, okay, so I didn't do all of that. I do have um, a storage unit uh, <laughs> with some some things in it, but it's definitely a lot less a lot less than um, than what I had when I left. Um, so. You know, so I made this list, and I just started checking things off the list, and the last thing on the list was to quit my job. Now, that was my nine-to-fiver. Um, I was still, you know, I was still dealing with my freelance clients on the side, you know, so it was kind of like my side hustle gone full-time. Um, and, you know, being in good standing with my work and, you know, just kind of being honest with them and saying that I had an opportunity to explore and, you know, I, I, I really wanted to, to give it a shot. And, um, and my company was, was kind enough, you know, to extend me a contract offer to, to do a little extra work with them and help them ease the transition. And here we are, you know, a year and a half later, and I'm still doing work with them. So, um, you know, so the transition for me may have been, um, you know... Pretty fortunate in some in some fast you know in some fashion because I still do have contract work with one of the companies I was working with, um, but no, I've been able to explore a lot of freelance work along the way.
0: Awesome, uh, you know what an amazing adventure! And uh, and you know now you're in South America. You've been to Buenos centers, Brazil, Colombia, and uh, you're still able to work with the same company. And I think that's the dilemma that a lot of people have: should they quit their job, should they uh, look for freelance, or should they do a combination of both? Uh, so good on you for uh, uh, convincing your company, or uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, continuing the work with them. Uh, yeah, so well, tell us I about. Mean, yeah, I'm go on. Yeah, a little Barb. Bit
1: more on that. You know, honestly, uh, I think it's kind of one of those things as far as like you know, what just being honest with people and about what's important to you, you know, and then and then just making it then making them understand that you know that your com- like that the company is not is is important to you. But there are also other things that are important to you, you know. And I think that you know, as we're kind of moving into this, this global economy and a digital age, that a lot more companies are becoming open to that, and even a lot more traditional companies are finding ways to incorporate a workforce that's a little more global and a little more digital.
0: Yeah, you can definitely see that. That's a trend nowadays, uh, and uh, you find that employees are usually happier when they're given the freedom to work where they want, when they want, and uh, having that flexibility and freedom actually makes them more productive. Have you found that as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's great because, you know, when when you make your own hours, you really do give yourself the flexibility to kind of put in those extra hours that were kind of bothersome when you were in the office place, you know? Nobody wants to put in 12 hours when they're at the office. You know, but when you, you know, when you're working independently and you're making your own schedule, you can kind of rationalize that and you can be like, hey, you know what? If I work 12 hours on this project today, that means that I can take tomorrow off and go to the beach. It means I can take tomorrow off and, you know, go, go see something, you know, go, go play tourist for the day, you know? Um, So it's, it's a really great balance, but just remembering that like the working hard comes with the playing hard and you really do have to put in the time if you want it to work.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know that balance is very tricky as a digital nomad. Uh, for I mean, we've been doing this for only about seven months, and for the first few months uh, we were pretty much in travel mode and we were sightseeing more, but then we were realizing, you know, we can't just uh, live on savings alone. we got to, like, ramp up the income side of things. So now uh, I feel like now I'm kind of in work mode, and I'm doing very little sightseeing. Uh, we'll do the typical, you know, tourist things, but uh, uh, really I'm working more. Uh, the, the majority of my days work and then a few hours of sightseeing. Uh, so, how do you find a balance yourself? I mean, obviously, you're hopping around, you know, South America. I mentioned Brazil, uh, Argentina, now Colombia. Uh, how do you find that balance? Did you sightsee in the day, work at night, or tell us a little bit about your routine and your work-life balance?
1: <laughs> the routine, um, you know, to be honest with you, at the beginning, there wasn't really like a like a plan. Um, I would say that I spent like my first six months kind of in 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 shell shock. You know, I was just I was like, Wow, you know, I um I kind of moved to Buenos Aires and, and I thought that my plan would be to live in Buenos Aires and travel from there um, you know while I'm kind of maintaining this work life so um, so what I did at first was um, I kind of let the work dictate my schedule, so you know when I get a project, you know I'd jump on it, I'd work on that, and then you know, and then try to uh, sightsee on along the way, so um, so what really ended up happening was that, um, as I was doing that, I realized that you know the work starts to dwindle, and you're and you're kind of getting into this place where you have a little more time to travel, but you're also not earning as much money. So what I started doing is I started you know creating a schedule, right? And um, and honestly, like uh, one thing that I can say that has helped me along the way is literally setting an alarm to wake up every morning. Because you know what, it is so easy to roll over and just get a few more hours. But yeah, my alarm goes off at 8 a.m. every morning. And um, I'm not saying that I start working at 8 (laughs) a.m. My alarm goes off at 8 a.m. But no, it's just kind of like a reminder that a routine is important. Um, You know, it doesn't really matter where you are. Um, but yeah, so once I started getting into a schedule, I was able to kind of schedule in some trips. So, um, you know, I had some friends that were coming down to Chile. I knew they were going to be there for, um, you know, for about 10 days. And I was like, you know what, I'd love to be able to go see them while they're in Chile. So I thought, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's publish that. Let's make that clear to all my clients that this time is vacation time for me. But what I will do is work like hell to get to, you you know, to get to that destination, because you know what? The more I earn before the, I go, the better that trip is going to be, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so it was really great. Um, so that trip actually kind of a side story, but, um, you know, I had been texting back and forth with, uh, with my friend, and we had to move our dates a few times. So um, by the time, you know, we booked our flight, you know, and I'm sending off my, uh, I'm sending off my, all right, I'll see you there. My flight's on time, you know. I land at this time. Um, I landed in Chile, and we had missed our dates by a month. So I landed in Chile with uh, with no friends and no place to go. Um, but we were actually supposed to be visiting his mom, so his mom put me up for a oh, while. Wow. <laughs> um, but you know, it was a little awkward, right? You know, you don't want to just show up at your friend's mom's house to you know to to stay forever. So I spent a few days in Santiago. And I thought to myself, I was like, all right, well, where can I get from here? And then the nomad spirit kind of ca- like kicked in. And I was like, all right, you know, let me do a little searching. So I searched online, and I got a really bang-in last-minute deal on a flight to Easter Island. Now, you're talking about, like, bucket list here. Yeah, no kidding and, you know, being in Santiago, I thought to myself, and this is probably <laughs> the, the, the reckless side of myself, but I was like, it'll never be cheaper. It'll never be cheaper. You know, at this point, like, what, what's a plane ticket to get to Easter Island, you know? So I was like, all right, you know what, this is unexpected, but you have to take advantage. So I hopped on the flight, and next thing you know, I'm chilling with Samoa, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It was incredible. You know, um, and, and after that I took a little side trip to Valparaiso um, which is also, it's probably one of my favorite places in South America. It's a very cool place, it's like Dr. Seuss and Salvador Dali made up a city and this place is just incredible with the ascensors and just the coastline and the port and you know all the kind of hipster little divy bars. It's just totally my scene, so very cool. Um, but yeah, you know, so you know, so that was a trip that was planned, you know, so I scheduled it, but then I just decided, you know, hey, like this didn't go the way I thought it would, but you can always make the most of it. And you know, that's kind of the backpacker spirit, I think, you know. Uh, I mean, I have a friend who is, you know, who's traveling right now and she's uh and she was uh, in Guatemala and she's planning to go to Mexico. Um, after that, but she's just like, Man, you know what? Like, Guatemala is so beautiful. I've been to Mexico, you know? I'm just gonna stay here, you know? Take advantage of the, you know, take advantage of what you have. So, um, so that's, that's what I say, you know, take advantage of every opportunity that you can, and, you know, while making smart decisions, of course.
0: Yeah, you know, what a story about uh, heading over there to Easter Island. A lot of people have the objection that's too much. Uh, tell us about the cost. I mean, I, if you don't mind, uh, how much do you get that steal of a deal for?
1: Yeah, so, um, so now mind you, this is a long flight. So it's like five and a half hours out into the Pacific Ocean onto like this little dot on the map. So it's pretty remote. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't cheap, but I got a flight for $425 from Santiago. Now, granted, like that might be outside of some people's budget. Um, but you know, at the time, things were good. I was making a lot of money, so I was like, you know what? I'm here. It's right there. I may as well just go.
0: No, I think that's a great deal, and uh, you know, like you said, it's one of these bucket list items that everyone dreams of going, but then uh, they put it off because of the expense factor and also the location factor. It's in the middle of nowhere, and uh, uh, you know, it's kind of a random place to go to, but uh, as, as we heard from you, it's definitely worth it.
1: Yeah, and the hostel culture the culture there is pretty strong too, so you can find a pretty decent uh, decent deal on lodging. So it's really just getting out there, which is tricky. Um, You know so it was it was nice. It was it was great, and it was something that I've always wanted to do, and I have to admit like you know It was definitely worth every minute of it Awesome, so
0: tell us about the journey itself. I mean uh, when you left the US uh, How did you choose the cities and the countries you were going to go or are you kind of doing this all uh, on the whim Spontaneously like you did the Chile trip, but uh, walk us through the different cities and countries you visited, uh, visited and lived in so far on your digital nomad journey
1: okay, so it's been it's interesting, so the way that I've been choosing my city so far is um, you know when I first left uh, like what was really important to me, I started looking at um, you know like what did I want to get out of this you know this this trip this journey and honestly i I thought about it and I thought. Well, I wanted to learn Spanish. I wanted to become fluent in Spanish. That was very important to me. Um, I knew I needed good internet connection. I needed good public transportation if I was going to live somewhere. Um, you know, obviously, you can't. I mean, I could have brought my car, but I did not. I chose not to, <laughs> um, you know, things like that. So I was trying to think of, like, what's a city with a good infrastructure, a good history, so, you know, plenty of stuff to do. Um, and to be honest with you, I thought, hey, what's the likelihood that, you know, I might run into some people who speak English, should I, you know, should I struggle? Um, and I thought, you know, uh, my, my my head kind of went to, my head kind of went to Buenos Aires. And, you know, I thought about Spain. I thought about, um, you know, I thought about obviously like Europe. I thought about, you know, even starting out in the Caribbean, you know, since I was in Florida. It's so close. Um But, you know, what really struck me is, you know, if I was going to make a change, I wanted it to be a big one. You know, uh, I thought that heading towards South America is, you know, I I think it was a little bit more of a risk for me at the time. I thought, you know, hey, I've, I've been in Europe. Europe, you know, feels very comfortable. I feel like I could be comfortable there. And this isn't about being comfortable. It's about being uncomfortable, you know. It's about kind of like pushing your boundaries and your limits. Now, what I realized is that, you know, there are things that, um, you know, in, in Buenos Aires that are very, um, very comfortable. But there's a lot of it, there's a lot that's not. <laughs> so, you know, so it's uh so it was a good kind of starting off point. And I thought it was a good kind of training wheels for my, my, uh, my nomad journey. So once I, uh, so I lived in Buenos Aires for um, like a little bit over a year. Um, and Honestly, like my my first journey, my first uh, intention living in Buenos Aires was to travel from there. So I did it a little differently, and, and I think a lot of uh, nomads do. And I think this is this might kind of reflect my um, on my age. Um, so just to kind of share that with you, I'm 36. Um, I might have started a little uh, later than than some of our uh, our millennial friends out there, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, like at my, my logic at the time was saying you got to live somewhere and you can travel from there. So I left the house with more than a backpack. I'll go ahead and admit it. <laughs> I left with more than a backpack. Um, so I do have what we call a suitcase. Um, but, you know, but that was it. And I was like, you know, well, I don't want to lug all this stuff around everywhere. So, um, so I spent a few weeks here, a few weeks there. Um, but I can only really claim having lived in Buenos Aires and now Medellin.
0: And uh, tell us about the road ahead. I mean, uh, have you already decided on the next country after Medellin? Are you gonna stay there? Uh, Tell us about the thought process because I think this is an important uh, kind of decision-making process that every digital nomad faces. Um, So tell us about yours. And we'd love to hear a little bit more about how you make your decisions about the length of time as well. Like, how do you decide how long you're gonna stay in a city or country?
1: Well, I think um, I think what's important to, to de- uh, important factor to uh, to consider is uh, is visas, right? You know, so that's something that I'm considering right now. Um, I, my, as far as uh, as far as how long I'd like to stay in Medellin, um, right now I'm actually planning to, uh, to to take a little trip in September, and I think at that point I'll I'll, um, I'll decide whether I'd like to stay in Medellin until the end of the year. So um, I'm thinking maybe like maybe like three to six months um but as far as um I, you know it's one of one of the small little sentimental parts of me is that i can't be away for for the holidays so um the holidays are coming up in december um that's about when if i choose to renew my uh my tourist visa um then i will uh, i'll kind of run out of days around mid december so um, I'll probably head to the states for a little while to spend time with my family um, but after that the you know the future like the future is hard to, is hard to tell um, my goal is to stay in a Spanish-speaking country for at least five years so um, I'm planning to head to Spain I would love to go to Valencia as kind of like uh, one of the places that I've identified on my list um, you know' I'm, I'm always kind of looking for a place like the biggest city isn't always the most um, attractive to me. Um, I, I like livable cities. I like places where I can walk, um, you know, obviously. But definitely, you know, little, um, you know, I feel like you kind of get a, a chance to get in touch with, a, with the culture a little bit more. And that's something that's very important to me, um, to learn about where I'm, where I'm living, not just to live there.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that's part of the reasons living abroad is to connect with the locals, to find your favorite coffee shop, see a restaurant <laughs> locally, to get to know some of the people, right? And uh, uh, not not just to be in work all the time. So tell us about some of the struggles. I mean, uh, sometimes uh, not sometimes, but often social media, it's the good stuff, and uh, there's so much. Uh, uh, there are so many struggles as as digital nomads. Uh, finance is definitely one. Loneliness. Uh, lack of community, technology, Wi-Fi, you know, I, I struggle with a lot of stuff. Uh, tell us about some of your top struggles that you've faced so far uh, in your journey.
1: Yeah, you know, um, honestly, I think I think one of the ways to um, you know kind of combat like some of those struggles is just kind of maintaining a positive attitude. You know, I think um, I would say that what I've struggled with um, along the way is kind of having that, that sense of, um, you know, kind of like, you know, isolation. Not necessarily that you're not with people, but you're kind of on your own, you know? So it's like, as you, you know, as I've chosen to do in staying places, you know, for a few months or, you know, a year even at a time, um, it has, you know, sometimes you, uh, you know, you kind of struggle to make, uh, or you kind of struggle to have a, have a sense of normalcy, you know, because as you start meeting people, there's, a, you know, there's people that you meet that live where, you're, where you are, you know, whether they're expats or locals, and, you know, they get up every morning and go into the office and, you know, and they teach kids or they, you know, or they work at a pharmacy or they, you know, um, you know, or they work at the grocery store or what, whatever, you know, whatever it is that they do, um, you know, they have this kind of schedule. And it's like at some point, um, oh gosh, my. Uh, um, at some point, you know, you have to, uh, you know, you have to kind of combat that with, uh, you know, with kind of creating your own normalcy. So, you know, when you have a schedule, when you wake up in the morning, you you keep a calendar. You know when you'll be working. You know when you'll be sleeping. And you know, and you fill in the empty spots with. Um, and this is one thing that, you know, I would say to do is check out meetups. Um, you know, there's a lot of tech meetups, and especially if you're learning a language, I like, challenge you to go to a meetup in your field that's in a language that you're learning. It will be really hard at first. <laughs> um, but, you know, once you start to learn the language and the terminology, that can only help you. Um, and you know, so, so that, you know, definitely tap into your Facebook community, you know, like whatever you're into, there's people like you everywhere, you know, if you're a comic book nerd, there's that, you know, there's that for you. I'm a huge music lover, you know, you know, I'm always kind of on the concert scene. So I'm trying to see like, who's out there, what shows are coming up, you know, where's the live music at? Um, you know, I also really like craft beer. So, you know, if there's like a, a bar that, you know, makes their own beer, I'm, happy to sample the brew. Um, you know, if, uh, there's anybody who wants to you know, invite me out in Medellin for that, I'd love to go ahead and try it. Um, but yeah, you know, just like kind of be your true self, you know, and just figure out how to do that, um, in a different place. So if, you know, if you're kind of hungry for the, for the people that, you know, you would normally be hanging out with where you're coming from, You know, just find those places and find those communities. They're in every city, they're in every town.
0: Yeah, definitely. There are always people looking to connect. And and especially with foreigners. I mean, the locals always want to meet the foreigners. The foreigners always want to be the locals, but they somehow, uh, some seems to be a disconnect. Uh, So uh, obviously, things like Meetup are great for that. Um, Couchsurfing, you know, there's couchsurfing communities. Uh, I found a really good group recently, it's called Internations. And it's basically expats who, uh, who are um, living in a city and they meet other expats and they do that uh, at least monthly, sometimes uh, a few times a week. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can meet uh, expats and locals. Uh, so for me, uh, what I've done as well is I, I use my Facebook uh, to actually crowdsource friends to meet. So I'll give you an example of when I was in Brazil. Uh, we, got, we got into Sao Paulo, and we were traveling all the way up the East Coast. And what I did is I actually uh, shared on Facebook saying, hey, we're uh, just arrived in Brazil, we'll be here for six weeks, and we're looking to meet some locals. If you know any locals that are living in Brazil, tag below. And within about uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes, I had like a list of like uh, 20, 30 people. And um, during our time in Brazil, we actually ended up meeting about um ten or fifteen of them, uh, because they happen to be along the route, along the coast, all the way from um, San Paulo to Rio, then Salvador, then Fortaleza, etc. So uh, we are really blessed to be able to meet a lot of locals in Brazil. Um, the other countries, not as much, because uh, we're going to like remote countries like Guyana, French Guyana, Suriname. We were just in Trinidad and Tobago, and then Panama, and then here. But uh, now I'm, I'm starting to network, you know, and uh Meeting some people in Colombia because uh, you know uh, obviously a lot of digital nomads here.
1: So uh, and I would say to kind of add on to that you know because you're in um, as far as Facebook goes you know (laughs) I I have to say it is probably the single most helpful resource that I've had for meeting people along the way you know Um, honestly. Um, if you have any questions, I would just say, you know, reach out to, to your your Facebook groups. I mean, in Medellin, there's a pretty strong expat group. There was in BA 2 I'm pretty sure in most of these kind of digital nomad hubs there are. Um, you know, I think that's a really important important tool. And like you said, ask people. Um, you know, for example, like kind of like your Brazil story, you know, I wanted to go to this concert that I saw, and it was actually just yesterday. And I was like, you know, is anybody going to this thing? Um, and, you know, start, people started responding. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm meeting up with people at the sub, t- um, um, pardon, at the Metro, you know, to like head into the concert. And, you know, end up chilling and having a great time. You know, it's just, it's just people are willing to connect. You know, you just have to ask.
0: Liz, you alluded to uh, the fact that you want to live in a Spanish country for the next five years and you want to learn the language, Uh, what would would you say are some of the tips to learn a language, like are you uh, taking class online, are you taking class in person, are you just uh, doing it through Duolingo, or are you just making uh, friends with locals, tell us a little bit about the journey to learn a new language.
1: Well, gosh, learning a new language—it's so funny. So, I—it's I, sad to say that I've spent over twenty years in Florida, um, and my Spanish was terrible. <laughs> um, you know, so like before I left, I was like, "Okay, I'm moving to Argentina. Like, Spanish is going to be important. I'm going to need to learn." So, I did actually end up taking a few classes at a at a community college before I left. You know, and and this is kind of like your every Saturday morning kind of class, and. And you know, we got we got so we got so far, and I I started feeling very confident about you know about what I knew, and I, I was like, oh, I can definitely do this. So as soon as I landed in Buenos Aires, um, I got in the taxi, and I could not understand a word that the taxi was telling me. Um, and he asked me, you know, he's like, oh, they don't do and I was like. I- I don't, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I didn't realize, like, how specific, like, dialects could be. Um, so I have to admit, like, you know, learning a language is, is challenging. So what, uh, what I ended up doing was when I was in Argentina, I, I took kind of like a crash course Spanish, you know, a few weeks where they, it's super intensive, and they keep you in there, I think it was like four hours a day for like a, a week and change. And mind you, I'm still working at this point. so. Uh, so I, uh, I had some long days during that, that time, but I realized how much I didn't know. So, um, so I took classes for a few weeks and that got me to the basics. You know, there was still a lot of stuttering, a lot of like uh, blushing, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of mispronunciations. Um, but you know what, I think what really helped the most was, um, you know, after that I continued to do like tutoring once or twice a week uh, for a few weeks. Um, but what really helped me the most was listening to people, a because um, sometimes it's just easier to uh, to kind of pick up, you know, pick up little sayings along the way, you know, that kind of help you help you out, you know, um, and it, it makes you kind of connect with people, even though you know your Spanish isn't great. It's really important, I think, to connect with people, you know. So, so the listen to the people around you and what they're saying. You know, if they say, um, like for example, here, you know, people say buenos in the streets all the time, or they say buenos dias, or, you know, in, uh, in Argentina, it's buen dia. You know, they kind of have their own kind of way of saying things. So, um, so you know, kind of listen to people. And then what I would say is what helped me most was, was really being out there and kind of putting myself out there in environments where English wasn't going to serve me. Um, you know, find yourself in a, in a place where it's just full of people who are local, you know. It's outside of kind of the expat bubble that you can get into, you know, as a traveler. Because, you know, you hear English, you start a conversation and, you know, and, and next thing you know, you're, in, you're speaking in English. And if you're in a different country, you know, that's, that can be easy or that can be hard to do. Um, but, yeah, definitely just talk with people. Go to meetups. Like I said, go to meetups that are in the native language, wherever you are. Um, that can help you learn a language, and I would say practice, <laughs> you know, and um, and whenever somebody will listen, <laughs> talk their ear off. Talk until they stop listening because, you know, there are some people who kind of like respond, um, you know, with impatience. A lot of people will switch to English if they know any, um, even if they know less English than you know of their language, they're still going to try to tell you in English. Um, but there are some people who will actually listen to you and help you. So find those people and talk to them and keep talking to them and talk to them until they won't let you talk to them anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a journey, but I, I'd say my, my Spanish has gotten a lot better in this past year and a half. So,
0: Yeah, some great tips and advice. Uh, so Liz, uh, you know, in closing here, uh, there might be someone who's listening or watching right now and they're kind of envious of the life you've created and they don't know where to start. Uh, they want to be a digital nomad. Uh, you've done it for a few years. So, what would you tell that person who's listening or watching right now?
1: Um, you know, I think you have to just be true to who you are. Um, you know, when you're when you're just starting out, you have to be willing to take some chances, be vulnerable. You know, um, at first, I would say like part of part of the thing that a lot of people I think are not willing to do is just of be vulnerable and be like, hey, I'm new here and I don't have any friends, you know, like I want to make friends, let's be friends, you know, like just be on it, you know, just kind of figure this out and 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 be vulnerable and be willing to speak poorly. You know, I mean, my Spanish was terrible and I realized that I'm not going to get anywhere if I just don't talk, you know, so it's like, you know, be willing to struggle, um, but also be flexible. You know, and just be flexible as to, you know, as to what, you know, what you're able to do. And, you know, if you're, if, you know, you find yourself in a, in a month where things are lean, then go lean. You know, if, uh, find, you know, either a city that's going to be a little less expensive for you or find a place, you know, um, maybe you share, share a room for a month, you know, figure out ways to make it work. And, like, I think most importantly is don't give up because there's always a way. And especially if you're considering this lifestyle, like you already know that there's, this, there's a way. So, you know, it's really just up to being inventive and figuring it out. And there's no real guidebook to this. So each person kind of has their own approach. And, you know, and I would say, you know, just learn from what everyone else has done, you know, um, and then kind of make your own secret sauce. And that would be kind of the key to your happiness, because what makes you happy is not necessarily what makes everyone else happy. And what makes everyone else happy is not necessarily what would make you happy.
0: Yeah, and thanks for sharing so openly about uh, those things, because uh, definitely uh, we all can str- we struggle with those things, like loneliness and arriving in a new place and uh, wanting to make friends. But just being shy, I mean, uh, you know, I struggle with that, uh, even though I'm pretty outgoing, but still, I, I'm shy in the sense that of saying, hey, I want to make friends here. Uh, the moment you say that, actually, uh, the doors will open, you'll make friends, and, uh, you know, the universe will conspire to uh, let you achieve what you want. So, uh, Liz, uh, in closing here, uh, is there a site or some social media Handles by which people can contact you uh, if they really resonated with what you were saying today, and they want to find out more and maybe pick your brain and ask some questions.
1: Um, yeah, so you can find me at um, you can find me on Facebook. That's probably the easiest one. So it's Liz Valentine, uh, Valentine like the day, Liz like the tailor, um, and then you can also find me uh, on Instagram at making Liz Tory. That's making Liz Tory. Not uh, history. So it's L I Z story.
0: Awesome. So we'll have those links in the show notes. uh, If you're uh, listening on iTunes, if you're watching this, we'll have the links in the YouTube description. Uh, So thanks for your time, Liz, and we look forward to catching you up, catching up with you, not just through Hangouts and iTunes, but in person in Medellin uh, in a little bit.
1: All right, great, Ricky. Thanks for having me. I I look forward to meeting you when you're here in Medellin.
0: Absolutely. We'll see you in a, see you in a few weeks. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery. And uh, hopefully you've got some great insights into how to be a digital nomad. You know, uh, both the blessings, the challenges, and, uh, you know, things like learning the language or meeting the locals and uh, working while on the road. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, make sure you connect with Liz uh, through the uh, handles uh, she mentioned. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Leave us a rating and review as well. And uh, we'll catch you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.